0: Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, you can go to YouTube, just type in the YouTube search bar there, Keeping the Nostalgia Live Show. You'll see most of our shows on there. Um, I, a lot of shows are still going to be on our uh, podcast site, which is keeping the Nostalgia Live. com. That's all one word, keeping the Nostalgia Live. com. We've had some greats on there Kent Benson, Rick Mount, Coach Gene Cady um even some interesting where you may not recognize the name but you got to listen to the story so um all about uh, most 95 percent of them about the great game of basketball in the state of indiana uh, i've got some baseball and football and some music tossed in there too but uh, please check out keeping the nostalgia and the keeping the nostalgia live show on youtube as you can see with us today our guest is dave Warlin. uh dave thank you so much for uh taking some time out of your schedule uh, to, uh, help keep the nostalgia alive and, uh, talk about,
1: uh, your, your life. Well, I'd love to do that. I'm honored. And, uh, you just mentioned a few folks on there you've had on there. So I don't know if I can match up with some of those, uh, fellows, but I'll, I'll do my very best to tell you my story. You know, uh,
0: Dave is one of those where I've been doing this uh, to let everybody know I've been doing this for eight, nine, 10 years. And, um, you know, you learn something new about the game of basketball, especially high school basketball um, uh, every day. I thought I knew it all. I don't. Uh, and Dave kind of slipped under the radar. There's some great stories that uh, I hope Dave can share. And uh, I'm going to share one story. and It's a cathedral story. Dave used to was 20 years the principal at Cathedral High School. And we're going to talk about his capacity now and what he does uh, for the school. Uh, but uh, I was a freshman in high school um cathedral was ranked number two it was 1983 um one of our i went to Broadpool high school donnie harris on our team was fouled by a, a cathedral uh, irish uh, he went to the line sank two and uh, ended the season for cathedral who was ranked number two in the state Uh, So that's one of my memories about Cathedral. I have great memories while being at Broderpool High School and uh, Cathedral, but uh, we're gonna go to Lafayette, Indiana. Dave, tell us a little bit about where you were born and raised and tell us a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, yeah. Well, born and raised in in Lafayette. I was actually born in Fowler, Indiana, so kind of a Benton County guy, but I was less than a year old when mom and dad took my three older brothers and and I to Lafayette. He was in the furniture business. been around for a while probably would remember village furniture in Lafayette so my dad uh, started that business and and um, my three older brothers uh, Terry Bob and Jim uh, were in grade school when we moved to Lafayette of course uh, we moved right across the street to Lafayette Central Catholic the, the high school there just been built probably for about 18 years and so uh, as mom and dad kind of ran the business uh, we all went to to the grade school, St. Mary's was the Catholic school at that time, as K through eight. So we were very fortunate to have a, an outstanding grade school education. We we're taught by the the sisters and uh, the priests there. Monsignor Podoff was our pastor, and and then uh, we all just kind of would hang out. Uh, we'd cross Ninth Street and go to uh, CC across the street, and we kind of just lived there half the day, and then we'd go to school the other part of the day. And then summers we were home half the day and. On the grounds of, of Central Catholic, the rest of the time.
0: Uh, was your dad athletic?
1: He was. Uh, he was. He was involved in, in a lot of the sports at Fowler High School back then. Um, didn't go on beyond high school, but but he, he loved athletics. He he had it uh, in his uh, genes to to follow sports like most people uh, did back then and even today. But um, he kind of instilled in us to you know, to compete and, and have fun and uh, but also work hard and make a buck or two by the time you get out of high school or college so that you can you know, take care of your family.
0: What was your first love? Was it uh, baseball? Was it basketball, football? What, what, what was their first sport that you, you remember kind of uh, getting excited about or, or, or wanting to play or, you know, falling in love with?
1: Yeah, well, it, it was definitely Baseball John Everly was the head baseball coach uh, in my early years and was for a long time at Lafayette Central Catholic so when I was like in kindergarten first grade through seventh grade, uh, one of my friends Bob Bollinger and I were the bat boys for Central Catholic's baseball team so we always wanted to to be baseball players. So we, we played a lot and we, you know, we were involved in a lot of the baseball teams, uh, you know, growing up in Lafayette, but uh, it was really John Eberle that kind of inspired that uh, uh, love of baseball. So that was always my number one love, but but basketball was right there behind it. You know, every court in the neighborhood had a, had a basket. So, or, you know, a garage. So we, we were able to play a lot more basketball just because uh, unless you had a few other guys to, Catch the fly balls or to throw batting practice to you. You could always play by yourself and basketball work on your jump shot, and dribbling, and those kind of things. So, baseball one, basketball two, but uh, I loved them both. Um, so, you know,
0: I was born and raised in Indianapolis. So, I guess because I was where I was at geographically, geographically I was a Reds fan. So you guys being a little bit north, I'm assuming you were either a Cubs or a White Sox fan, or fill me in on what kind of fan you were.
1: Oh, big-time Cubs, diehard Cubs all the way. My dad and his dad were big Cubs fans. Uh, Quick story, uh, yeah, very much Cubs. But um, when the Cubs uh, went to the playoffs, um, it was hard to get playoff tickets, obviously, but uh, it was back in the days when you had the rotary phones, and I was trying to get two tickets to the Cubs World Series or playoffs, whichever it would be, and I got through, and I got two tickets and got a hold of someone. I mean, I did it for like three hours, just kept speed dialing, speed dialing, speed dialing. I got two tickets, and um, and of course they said, do you want to go to the playoffs or do you want to go to the World Series? You know, if you go to the World Series, they may not get there, but if they get there, you get two tickets. So I said, I you know I'm going for the gusto, bit. I, I we're, Playoffs would be nice, but but the World Series. My dad always promised me he was going to take me to the World Series. Well, as it turned out, uh, I told dad, so he and I were going to go to the World Series. It was kind of a flip flop because at that time, dad was retired, and I was you know young enough that I could get him there. Uh, so he was excited. I was excited. Um, even Jeff Washburn, who's a sports writer, the Journal of Courier at that time, Lafayette Journal of Courier. I told him the story, and it kind of became a big story around the country because it was a flip-flop you know the, the kid who was going to go with his dad to the world series to see the cubs was going to take his dad because at that time dad was in his 70s um well sadly they got beaten in the playoffs we didn't get to the world series that year uh it was in the 80s somewhere in one of those years that they went in the playoffs so but no diehard cubs you know when they won uh I had my two sons with me when they did win the World Series. Dad had been deceased uh, ten years when they won it here, handful of years back. So we, we were one of those uh, Cubs fans that finally got a little bit of joy uh, when they won the World Series here. Back. Oh, oh,
0: did you have a favorite player on the Cubs? Was your favorite player on additional baseball team or
1: oh, a different baseball team? Ernie was the man. You know, I, I was of course Kessinger and Beckert, uh, You know that double play combination were in there. Ron Santo. Billy Williams, um, you know, I, I loved them all, but but Ernie's the he was my hero idol. Um, he was he was pretty special. It's interesting
0: in everybody that we interview. I asked that, and it, you know, uh, below Indianapolis, Southern Indiana is flows toward the Cardinals. You know that Indianapolis area, just a little bit south, the the Reds. But you know, uh, it, it's interesting how we become uh, fans of our environment.
1: Oh without a doubt and you know a lot of my good friends uh, Mark Andrews one of my good friends he's a big white sox fan so we we still battle he grew up in Lafayette as well. so we we have some good times. my son-in-law he grew up in Cincinnati uh, he's a big Reds fan so you're right it's kind of wherever you're at you kind of love the, the team you're in and uh, you remember all those uh, great wins you try to forget about all those tough years you know you always remember the the championships and the big wins you forget about those years uh, that maybe the cubbies were in last place you know back in the, the the heydays back when you know
0: yeah and at least the cubs and the white Sox have done the right thing and won a world series in the past you know years so that at least you can you can relish that with also thinking about all the hard times
1: oh without a doubt yeah those are the ones that you uh you remember the certain plays and you remember certain events during the, the high times and the low times, you still, uh, you still love them. I mean, if you're not a, a diehard, even you got to hang with them when they're in the, the cellar at the same time they're in the, the way up or you're, you're not a real fan. Um,
0: so three older brothers,
1: right? Correct. So you kind of <laughs> had
0: you,
1: you, you, you kinda,
0: okay, I'm sorry. Um, so you kind of had a little bit of an idea of what you were getting yourself into when you went to central Catholic.
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they were like I said, we lived right across the street. So my brothers, uh, when we lived there on Sarasota Drive, they'd hear the the tardy bell from the school because you could hear it from our house because our house was like just right there. It was just, you know, like a uh, hundred steps. You're, you're, you're right there walking inside. So they would go to school when they heard the tardy bell because <laughs> they had five minutes and they get there in one minute. So, and I hadn't left yet. I was still going to St. Mary's at the time. So we had a carpool. So they, uh, they, they were there and they, you know, they kind of prepped me a little bit, uh, sometimes for the good and sometimes, uh, for the not so good. Cause if they, if they ever did something that, uh, wasn't good, then when I came over there, they'd say, well, you're so-and-so's, uh, little brother. And he did so-and-so over here, you know, a little, little teasing thing. So, so yeah, I was, Ingrained in the, all the, the goodness of uh, Central Catholic in those early years and, and became to, to really love the school and um, proud to be a graduate there of 1973. So
0: what did, did you get into basketball first? Was there uh, how, how were the seasons set up? Did they have a
1: football team? They did. And, uh, of course, w- when I went there, 69 was my freshman year, they had an undefeated team, the football, as far as football. Had a really good team that year. That's before the playoffs, though. So there was no such thing as a playoff, so they were 10 and 0. So they kind of called themselves a state champ, even though there were other teams that were 10 and 0 in the state. But you know, hey, everybody thinks they're the ones that's a 10 and 0. So, so we had a really good football team. We always had some really competitive basketball teams. I mean, I would watch like Bill Cutter and Henry Ebershoff and um, Wayne Dean Hart and a lot of guys when I was in the younger years who. Uh, who played for central Catholic in baseball, football, basketball, and all that. So I had a lot of uh, older guys that were high school age that I would love to go see and play. And even back then, this was back in the, you know, like in the sixties, mid sixties, we would actually have some games on TV, you know, Lafayette play on TV, central Catholic that time, you know, Harrison McCutcheon were split out into smaller schools, but um, it was really neat because, um, uh, It was a big deal you know people would say you know hey this is the whole technology is is really great but you know what was it like back then but there was you know good games games of the week everybody knew who was playing when where and how and uh, the schedules were such that uh, it couldn't get to the game for a lot of them you could you could watch them on tv the local tv stations so so, how how did it go?
0: did Did you did you play freshman basketball? And then it, was there a varsity freshman, junior varsity, uh, uh, baseball team? How how did your sports career at Central Catholic go?
1: Yeah, well, the sports career went with I liked cross country, so I'd kind of run cross country in the in the off season and wasn't uh, one of the top runners by any shape or means but it kept me in shape and it kept me uh, disciplined in in the, the fall because I didn't play football but I didn't run cross country but then in the winter played all four years of basketball you know freshman year played on the freshman team sophomore year the JV team junior year played uh, uh, JV and some varsity and then senior year you know I played all varsity Um on a really great team. We had a lot of great players my senior year at Lafayette Central Catholic. So it was kind of that standard uh, role. We, we had a lot of good athletes and you had to work really hard uh, then as it is today, if you wanted to ultimately play on the varsity team, a lot of competition, a lot of good uh, athletes. We had great coaching. Um, it was when you didn't have the off season stuff. If you wanted to get to be a better player in the off season, it wasn't the AAUs, it wasn't the uh, organized Nike camps and all that. Uh, you went down to Bishop's Woods and you got four or eight other guys and said, let's go play. And we'd play outdoors down at the Bishop's Woods, or you'd uh, maybe uh, get our coach or sneak in the back door at the gym and go in the gym and shoot around um, on a night or a weekend or summertime. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and again, we we had the neighborhood boys that we'd get together and we'd play outdoors in the outdoor courts. So uh, we, we enjoyed it. in um, and we, we were outside a lot, and we were running around the neighborhood. It was a little different back then. Like I said, no, no emails, no technology, no computers. Um, you pretty much um, were, were outdoors, and unless you were doing homework inside, uh, but it was fun, and we had a great. Uh, even the the folks uh, that were in the neighborhoods would you know kind of take care of us. Uh, it was a neat neighborhood. If they went to the public school, the private schools, whatever, we'd hang out. Some of my best friends you know, ended up going to Lafayette Jeff. And when we'd play against Lafayette Jeff, um, it was kind of neat because uh, when we'd play, you know, we were best buddies in the neighborhood. And then all of a sudden we're in a sectional championship game in Crawley Center, uh, kind of working to, to beat each other. And um, there, there was one time in our in my senior year event on, was in my class going through grade school and vent and i were just talking it was on a free throw or something probably third quarter of the game and and that was when jeff had won 29 straight sectional championships Marion crawley most of those years and um but but then i just kind of looked at each other at a, a on the floor during a uh, a free throw and said would you ever imagine that we would be competing against each other at the varsity level in a jam-packed house of uh you know, rabid fans for Jeff and CC, um, but those are the the memories. The memories are great when you win, or they're great. But it's always the guys that you competed with, or the guys you um, played against that really make those memories special.
0: You know, baseball was just coming into it, especially with I S H A A and having a tournament and everything. Was it based, was it set up as sectionals also during your career with baseball? And was it the same sectional as it was in basketball?
1: It was very similar. Of course, that was a one class back then, of course. But uh, yes, it was, uh, even though football didn't have a tournament run, baseball did. You had a baseball sectional, uh, one class. So, you know, the big schools, little schools all played against each other. Um, And it was... um, usually the same teams but not always you know it kind of depend on the, the geographical setup not all teams had a baseball team uh, but most did almost everybody had a basketball team so you did have sectionals you had regional seven state state just like they do today and again that was you know like I said that was back in the in the 60s and, and in 70s when when early 70s when I was in high school so it, it wasn't a lot different other than the fact that you know there was a lot more t- teams back then. So our sectional would have maybe, you know, there's a lot of six and 18 sectionals now. Well, back then there was sectionals that had 14, 16 teams in it, you know, just, I said, Harrison McCutcheon alone, you know, I could roll out seven or eight teams that fed into those, you know, Southwestern and Klondike and um, the schools that fed into those. So those all had high school teams. So it was kind of neat because um, you know, back then, you know, when you, when you competed, uh, if you won a sectional sometimes back in those 60s, I mean, you had to win five games to win a sectional. It wasn't a, you know, three games and in. in. So it was competitive, but, but it meant a lot too. If you were able to get to that championship game and if you were fortunate enough to win, um, there was a kind of that pride factor to say, wow, we, we made it through. And usually you knew the guys on the team. So you kind of had that uh, reminder factor. You'd tell them when you get to be older, every year you get older, you can't tell them about that high school years, you know?
0: So, so was Al Brown there the whole term that you were there at central Catholic?
1: He was not, uh, my freshman year, John Everly was the, the basketball coach and, uh, John, uh, Eberle, who I think the world of, um, the, the, he was, um, let go. I mean, there was a, the community, um, and he rest his soul right now. John passed uh, many years ago, but, um, even back then, this was 1969, uh, Billy, and uh, the, 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 I, I can't say who it is because I don't know who it is, but a decision was made uh, to terminate his contract. And what was really neat, the, the powers to be back then got him a job at Lafayette Jeff teaching and coaching. So he didn't lose his income because everybody loved John Everly. He was a great baseball coach, and he helped coach over at, Laf- or over at Jeff but they did because he wasn't winning enough games I'll I'll just kind of say it he wasn't winning enough sectional Jeff had won 29 straight years I think somebody wanted to see if we could get a run because we had some really good athletes as I said earlier Lafayette Central Catholic so long story short they looked for a new coach and uh, they found an an awesome coach you know at that time coach Brown was over at Purdue doing some coaching over there and again um the the folks in charge of Central Catholic kind of was able to convince him to take his coaching at the high school level at Lafayette Central Catholic. And in three years, he uh, built uh, a team that won a sectional championship. Uh, uh,
0: What are some of your memories of Coach Al Brown?
1: Well, uh, my early memories, you know, it, it was my sophomore year was the first year. And I probably don't remember anybody that was quite as organized as he was. I mean, he was just so uh, organized with paperwork and, and uh, programs. I mean, he would get, he'd write um, all kinds of wonderful things up for the program. And, and, and again, back in that time, that wasn't the norm. I mean, you got people sometimes, you know, sports writers that are doing that for you now, but he was super organized and very dedicated. I mean, and very knowledgeable. I mean, he was so, uh, he was ahead of his time, I believe, back then, uh, dealing with maybe some of the psychology of coaching, dealing with some of the, the, um, the specifics. I, I kind of say sometimes um, defense back then was just kind of staying by your man, you know, just, just make sure your man doesn't get too far away from you. There wasn't technique involved that I remembered as a junior high or even as I got a little older, but but he taught the fundamentals of defense. You know, this is where you stand, and this is how you help, and this is the timing. And we did shell drills, and it was a it was it was new. It was it was a new level of uh, of training and teaching that that I sure had not seen. And I think I can speak for a lot of guys that were on our team. It was a, it was a, a ramp up to hey, if we're gonna spend this time for these two hours of practice we're going to get after it. We're going to, we're going to learn. This is a classroom. You know, coach Brown was always a, he was a teacher uh, first, and then he was kind of a coach second. Uh, he, he, he taught us the fundamentals. He, he let us know this is the way we're going to do it. And, you know, and there wasn't any, you know, you could always, you know, kind of ask questions to understand it better, but, but you, you weren't going to ask him why, because, you just do it his way. And, and, you know, and he got an instant credibility. You know, the older guys, like I said, I was a sophomore the first year. But those, those guys that were seniors that year, I mean, they, 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 were, they were successful and, and did better. So the program just kind of, Al Ricks was someone that became a really good player. And I think if you talk to Al Ricks today, he'd say Coach Brown, you know, was the one who helped him become a really good basketball player and got him a college scholarship. Um, I mean, it, it plays
0: out like a, like the movie Hoosiers or, you know, it, it should be a movie. I mean, Lafayette Jeff won the sectional 29 years in a row. I mean, was that the conversations in coffee houses and, and bars and, and did, I mean, you know, take us through, you know, getting to that season, but you know, did you even in your mind think we were going to win sectional that year and, and do as well as you guys did, which you had a, f- a phenomenal season.
1: Right. Well, I'll back up a little bit because of Lafayette Jeff over the years, us guys that were at CC, we saw their success. And Marion Crawley was an outstanding coach. So we saw that from a distance. I don't care if we're in first grade or seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, and really with, with Marion Crawley, whenever they won a sectional all those years when we were little, he didn't make a big deal about it. I don't even think they didn't even cut down the nets. It was like, let's get this thing over with. You know, in a modest way, not in a uh, an uppity way, but it was just that level of success that that he brought to Lafayette Jeff was, hey, we're planning to go to the Seminole State. You know, we're, we're going to win this sectional, you know, let's just get it going and get it over with. Let's go to the regional. We're going to win that one outright. Now, Seminole State, okay, we're bringing teams down from the, you know, in the region and we got some pretty darn good schools come down and then that's when they started to cut down the nets they cut the nets down at semi-state but regional and, and you know sexual not so much so 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 we saw that i mean in 64 uh, they won a state championship at lafayette jeff and those guys were you know they weren't just the lafayette jeff idols they were the guys like us the 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 grade school kids who watched them play so um so we saw that. We saw the success in that area. So fast forward to Coach Brown, uh, you asked, did we think we were going to win the sectional? Absolutely. We thought we were going to win. And it, for two reasons. One, we had some talent. And we had uh, Tom Cutter was our leading scorer, leading rebounder. Tommy went on to play at Western Michigan. He was awesome. So so it was no fluke. I mean, we we knew we had some, some good talent. Mark Andrews, Kevin Crow, you know, Bill Lottie, Bobby Reilly. I mean, it goes on and on. We had some really good players that year. So, so that's number one. But number two, I go back to Coach Brown being so organized. He had an excellent assistant coaching staff. Tim Wolf was on his staff. Tim was a great basketball coach. Bill Bogan was doing a lot of scouting for him. And he had all, he, he, it was like a, a college program from the standpoint of preparation. So we knew when the teams got off the bus how we were going to guard them, who was going to guard who. So we believed we could win only because we knew we were prepared. Now, it was no easy task because, um, you know, we, we had to beat um, the, the Friday before we beat Lafayette, Jeff, we beat Jeff by one point in the sectional win and it was back and forth i mean they were tough too but the night before on friday we went overtime with west lafayette mark andrews hits a free throw in overtime one free throw they were tied i forget what it was 55 55 in regulation one point was scored in overtime mark hits a free throw somewhere in the middle of the overtime nobody else scored so it wasn't a cakewalk but every time we we're on the floor we were going to compete and, and if, we were, if we would have lost either of those games, it wasn't because we weren't prepared and we didn't work hard and we weren't, you know, playing together. It's just because, you know, hey, ball didn't bounce our way at the end of the game or whatever.
0: Uh, so it, is it true that Coach Al Brown said you guys were going to walk home at halftime if you didn't win?
1: <laughs> That's true. I think that – I think, yes. I, I'm not – you know, and, and I say that only because um, – He would say some things sometimes, and and we believed him. You know, he he wasn't just blowing smoke. If he if he said we're going to do something, then we would. So, if we would have lost, I guarantee. Well, the good thing is, you know, if people know Lafayette, it's not that far walk. I mean, Jeff's on Ninth Street or at Eighteenth Street. We were on Ninth Street, so we you know nine blocks. I mean, let's face it, that's that's kind of far, but not too bad. But yeah, we would we might have walked home that night. I
0: I read where one parent couldn't take it and and actually walked home to listen to it at
1: at the house. That is true. That was Tom Cutter's father. Uh, Mr. Cutter was watching the game. Um, Very good fan, just a loving guy. Uh, but he would get real nervous at the games. And and he would, I don't think he ever did it during the regular season, but he'd get nervous in regular season too. But yeah, he, I don't even think it got to be halftime. It was just, and it was nip and tuck. I mean, actually, Jeff went up first half on us like seven or eight points. I remember. And I think that might've been the time uh, Mr. Cutter walked home and he listened to it on the radio and heard about the championship from the radio. So uh, that is so true, and um, and if you, anybody was in Crowley Center that game, I mean the fire marshal uh, would have probably shut us down because um, uh, it was it was jam packed, and uh, it's what high school basketball is all about, should be all about. Uh, it was all about the fans and the cheering and the pride and, and all those kind of things, and, and even the the folks from Lafayette Jeff, although they were sad, I'm sure, disappointed that they lost, uh, they're very gracious as well, because again, we're all in the same community and, uh, they, they, they were happy for us, but at the same time, they wish we didn't win because they wanted <laughs> Jeff to win. Uh, so what was the size of, what
0: did Central Catholic get, get to choose from compared, uh, what were the sizes of Jeff and Catholic, uh, uh, comparison wise?
1: Right. Well, <clears throat> Central Catholic, probably in its heyday back in the uh, early, maybe in 1960, might have been the largest uh, it had ever been. So it was at that time. It's now a junior, senior high school. but Way back then, it was a co-ed 9 through 12. Um, I think the, the highest uh, enrollment was 600 in the heyday, like 1960 or so. By that time in 73, that year, you know, we were smaller uh, and we were probably about 410. I think mean, each class is about 100 kids, you know. So in that time with Jeff, you know, Jeff, they were the big school. So they were right in that uh, probably 3,500 range of kids, co-ed, 9 through 12, back in then. So they were still the, the kingpins. I mean, they, they, they had the numbers and they had the tradition and, um, and all that. But, but a lot of the kiddos that uh, uh, that, that played a lot of athletics, um, could, would kind of split between Central Catholic and Lafayette because Central Catholic was, was built in the, the late uh, 1950s, like 1957. And a lot of the folks who, who put that vision together um, came from really a strong athletic families, you know, the Flynns and the Bogans. And the, 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 they, and so they sent their kids there. So we had our share. Uh, we, and that was before girls' athletics even, you know, back then, even when I was a senior. We had GAA, Girls Athletic Association, So there wasn't IHSA sport for girls back then, sadly, because you know a lot of the girls that were in my class and older than myself at all schools in Indiana didn't get to play in IHSA basketball. They they played GAA and it was kind of like wasn't much. It was it wasn't very competitive. Officials weren't involved. But anyway, it was uh, it was it was a great time. It was a great era. We had a lot of fun, uh, we learned a lot. In the losses as well as the wins. And um, some of my dear friends today were, were, were teammates and, and opponents and, and family members of neighbors that, uh, that really uh, loved their schools. A lot of pride. You know, We're talking a lot of athletics here, but there's a lot of other cool things going on at our schools back then that uh, built our character and gave us opportunities that we were able to get to today.
0: Uh, so you guys uh, win the regionals, and then you get to play in Assembly Hall, correct?
1: No, we actually went to Mackey Arena.
0: Oh, okay. We got to okay. Go.
1: Yeah, the regional was at uh, Crawley Center, same place we played the sectional with Lafayette Jeff. Um, so we won both those games. It's two game regional. We go to the semi state, which is in Mackey Arena, which. Again, what a dream, you know, being able to play in Mac Arena. It wasn't even very old back then. And Mackey Arena was, was opened in 69. Mm-hmm. So we're playing there in 73. Four years after that, they just, you know, broke the ribbon to open it up. Um, and, again, full house, great game. We played Lebanon in the first game. Lebanon had beat us in the regular season. We only lost four games regular season, but Lebanon was one of those losses. The Walker boys played for them, and they had a really good team. And uh, they got to the semi-state. They didn't get there by luck. So, uh, But we had one of our better games, I think, at that time. Um, and kind of beat them going away. I think it might have ended up eight or nine. But we pretty much had control of the game. Um, but So we got a little revenge from the regular season game. Um, and then we went to the championship. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So we played Southman Adams in the championship game. And they had a, an, an awesome team uh, that came down. Um, from South Bend and, and were really talented. Um, and they beat us uh, seven points, you know, good game, but they just, uh, it was back then, you know, and it, it's still today, sometimes teams have played two games in one day and we had, uh, we were uh, not able to play the first game. We played the second game against uh, Lebanon. And so we didn't have a lot of downtime, no excuse. I mean, they, they beat us and they were better and, you know, hats off to them they went to the final four but we we're one game away going to to assembly hall back then that's where you get to assembly hall because the final four that year was at assembly hall that was before um, some of the larger indianapolis uh, areas were, were formed and um, had the, the places they're now playing in the bigger bigger gyms and bigger places so During your
0: senior year, you are thinking about, you know, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do with my life? What were your choices? Where did you choose? And who kind of led you to those decisions?
1: Right. Well, two people. Uh, My dad, he he led me to the decision that I should probably, uh, they call it gap year these days. Back then, um, he wanted me to work in his business. I had three older brothers. They all went in the furniture business. uh, Didn't. Uh, Terry, my oldest brother, did go to college at Marion College, um, but he kind of went right into his furniture business, dad's furniture business. Uh, Bob and Jim uh, went to the war. That was the Vietnam War was going on. So right out of high school, they both went to the Vietnam War. They came back, worked for my dad, uh, and Terry came back from Marion um, College and worked for him. So dad thought it would be a good idea for me to not go to college and just work for him. And so... Um, so he was one so that was my influencer so I did that I I didn't go to college after my first year because I was going to work in the business well right when I got out of um, high school I worked under Al Brown as uh, head eighth grade coach so I'm coaching eighth grade basketball for Central Catholic working at the furniture store during the rest of the time and uh, coach Brown kind of took me to the side maybe second semester of the school year and said, why, why, why aren't you going to, you know, go to college? And I said, well, dad wants me to run the business, help the business. You know, he's, he's got a big time ideas. And, and here's the thing that the dad would tell me. He'd say, help me understand this, Dave. You want to pay to go to college. And I want to train you and pay you while you're being trained. So dad's philosophy was, and he didn't go to college. He said, why would you want to pay to go to college for four years and get debt? Built up where I'm going, to, I'm going to, I'm the best teacher you can ever get. I'm better than any of those Purdue professors. I'm better than anybody there. I'm going to teach you how to run a business, entrepreneurship. So it kind of made sense. And of course, you know, at that time, you know, money was like if you were anything and anybody, you, you had to make a good living. You know, that's how people would gauge how successful you were. Where Al Brown then took me aside and said, okay, that's good, but why don't you just give it a shot? Why don't you, once you, you, get you get a teaching degree, then if you want to go work in the furniture store, go do it. So he inspired me to go to Purdue that next year. And then I ended up going to Purdue in three years and two summers to get my degree so that I could teach and coach and and go that direction. So I did. I gave up the furniture business. Again, my three older brothers were highly successful in that. I was the black sheep uh, of the family, so to speak, in a good way, I guess. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I, I didn't take that path. I didn't go to the retail furniture business i went into teaching and coaching which was my love and it's my love today
0: uh, was, was dad upset
1: he i wouldn't say he was upset he was disappointed and he just thought i was wasn't quite all there <laughs> he just he, he just couldn't get the other state he, he was disappointed but he still loved me and he still supported me um but he he thought i made a, a poor choice now i'll fast forward um, w- w- the two weeks before my dad passed, um, he did tell me he was very proud of me and, and that I made that choice. So he never told me that before. He, he was he was still kind of shaking his head all during my career up until then, like "You kidding me? You, you know?" But in any event, yeah, he we we did have a nice conversation, um, which which filled my heart because he did give me the kind of the thumbs up that you know that he did realize that at some point in time that I, I made a good decision.
0: So same question for at Purdue. What did you think you were going to do? Did you have an idea that you wanted to continue coaching? Uh, who helped you along the way and what was it like getting your degree at Purdue and then going out and finding a job?
1: Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I went straight, just like coach Brown had said, uh, I really went to Purdue. Of course it's right across the river. So, I mean, Purdue was part of my life. I mean, I was I, Went to all the events and programs, and when you live in Lafayette, you're practically on the campus of Purdue, so it, it wasn't a big change for me because I hung around Purdue some anyway when I was a little bit older and would go to the events. So, so I didn't, I wasn't in fraternities. I I, I lived in a in a house with a couple of my friends, um, Billy Milady, uh, Tommy Cutter, um, were were a good buddies. So we had a house on the east side, and and I. I did a little work part-time and but i got my degree i got it fast so i did it on the fast track and the reason i did it was i knew i wanted to be a teacher and coach i mean that's that was my love i mean i i i couldn't wait to be a real educator teacher you know i was doing a lot of substitute teaching that was part of my part-time job so when i was going to purdue as a student um, i knew i wanted to be a teacher and coach i mean i wanted to, to do it as quickly as i could so when I was making a few bucks to pay my tuition, as my dad would have said before, how are you going to pay your tuition? Well, I was making it by substitute teaching, you know, while I was in college. And, uh, and, I, and I went to, and I, it was a great experience. I, anybody who's listening, if they're thinking they want to be a teacher and they're, you know, in college or they're in that age group, go and substitute teach. The elementary schools, middle schools, high schools. First of all, we need a lot of good substitute teachers, but two, it's where you get your foot in the door and you find out what's really like. So, so I did that, uh, like I said, graduating three years and two summers. As soon as I got out of, uh, and, and during all those years, I was still coaching under Coach Brown. You know, I was coaching some eighth grade basketball in my early years. Then I became the JV coach at CC when I was like a, a second year at Purdue. My last year at Purdue, my third year, um, I was like assistant varsity coach under Tim Wolf. By that time, Coach Brown had moved on and uh, Tim Wolf took over. So Tim kept me on his staff so I was like his varsity assistant. So I, I got great exposure, great experience because I'm I'm traveling, practices. I'm at all the, the games as a college student. But when I got out of college, I continued to coach for two years in Lafayette. I went to St. Lawrence, was a seventh and eighth grade teacher. So I got my first real teaching job and got paid. I think back then, I think I was, I think I thought I died and went to heaven. I was making $9,000 as a teacher, you know? So, so this is like at 70- Six or something. Uh, I really didn't even know what I made. I don't think at the time I didn't care. I just once uh, Sister James told me she was going to hire me as a teacher. Uh, she came and even caught me. I was I was going to the car leaving, and she said, "David, um you want to know what you make as a teacher?" And I said, "Not really." I, I said, "I said I, you're a sister, you're a nun, and you're you're not going to cheat me, I'm sure." And she said, "Okay, well you're making nine thousand dollars." I said, "Okay, that's great." I, I'll take it, you know? So, so I did that for two years. And and then I got my first head coaching job uh, at Washington Catholic high school two years after I was at CC those last two years helping coach Wolf and then getting a a good start as a teacher at uh, St. Lawrence. Um, So did you, because you kind of started the feeder
0: system when you went to Washington Catholic, did you learn that from coach Al Brown?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 plagiarized about anything and everything I could get my hands on, uh, whether it was his handbook, whether it was his style, whether and, and other people too. I mean, there were other influencers that were other coaches that I would have came across. Uh, one of the assistant coaches at, at Central Catholic was a guy named Denny Hoff, very strong technician of the game. Um, and there was many, many other people that um, that I would come across that I'd meet in the coaching profession. Uh, Danny Dawson, good example. Danny uh, went to Benton Central. He was an excellent high school basketball coach. I got to be friends with him. So the, the list was endless of people that would help uh, form me. But but as most professions go, you got to be yourself at some time. You, you can take and steal and plagiarize and copy anything and everything, people style, but, you're not going to really be able to to withstand the long-term success or involvement unless you really take it to be yourself and you form your own um, years. And, and and at Washington Catholic, uh, Billy, I was given the opportunity. Um, Sister Joseph Louise was my boss. She was a superintendent and principal, and she let me do whatever I wanted within reason. I mean. She wouldn't let me go crazy on something, but, but I was able to start a program. There was a little bit of school uh, who had success uh, in the past um, at different times. They had good athletes, and but they had, they hadn't won a sectional there since 1947. And so they were hungry. So they got this rookie out of Lafayette, Indiana and gave me a chance. And, and you know, after three years, we were fortunate to, to, to build some winning teams. And, you know, we even had some teams that were ranked in the state back then it was single a, but a little bitty Washington Catholic, because we had some good players. I had some excellent assistant coaches that were from that area, Morris Petty, Tom Tucker, Andy Igo, um, people who, who worked well together and, uh, and, and some really good athletes that ended up, um, being very successful. And, and we were fortunate to win a sectional in 1985. You know, we, Jack Butcher and Lagodi on a Friday night, um, we had a, a good chance to, uh, you know, play against Barrie and beat them. You know, right towards the end, and um, so great memories there. You know, but uh, I was kind of young and dumb still because I was still, you know, my mid twenties. So I, I probably didn't know half as much as I thought I did. But I just went by the seat of my pants, and I had some good, good people, a good principal, and you know, I, I just kind of led with my my gut. And then finally, I was able to probably figure some things out. I The year before we won the sectional, here's a good example. Joe Toadrank was the uh, basketball coach at Bar Reeve. What a character, by the way. Oh, he's quite a character. And Joe's become one of my best friends. He mentored me. So I here I moved to, to Washington, Indiana. I've never been there in my life. I didn't even know there was such a thing as Washington, Indiana. So I didn't know anybody down in Southern Indiana. But I was excited about going to the school. Well, Joe kind of took me in. Um, mentored me. Didn't have to. I mean, he just was a good guy, but he is a character and, 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 and was good to me. Well, that junior year, we had a better team our junior year when um, the year before we won that sectional 85. So in 84, we were better than Bar Barre. We played them in the sectional. We were hands down. We had better talent. We, we had a better regular season and Joe out coached me. Joe slowed the game down he played the old you know delay game and I was not prepared for it the head coach didn't have that in my, I didn't have that in my resume of, uh, of, of plays you know so I was like calling timeouts trying to figure out how to do it and, um, and we lost so uh, and I took full credit for that loss and so luckily the kids that were junior that year and a couple of sophomores came back the next year and we won the sectional And, um, but that's where you, you know, you learn, you know, I, I didn't throw the towel in, but I did say, and here's my good friend, Joe, you know, the good thing was here's Joe, the class guy, Joe Toadrank comes into our locker room and just applauds our kids. And we just got done outsmarting their head coach and those kids, you know, their heads were in their laps crying, but Joe came, patted each one on the head said, Hey, sun's going to rise tomorrow. Everything will be fine. And then Joe goes back to his locker room and he greets my wife because my wife loved Joe. And so she, Janet's in there crying because Washington Catholic got beat, but Joe gives her a big hug. And, you know, it it all comes down to the friendships you make and you, you always want to win, but you got to find something in a loss that you can take with you. But we all learned so much that year and and thank goodness I was mentored by people like Joe Toadrank, Gary Duncan, Stan Neal, Jack Butcher. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. These are people that, um, you know, they, they go to battle for each other. You know, I do the same for them. They went to my wedding, you know, these, these coaches that I battle with. Um, and most of them are still living, thank God, today. And we still, we have a big reunion down in Huntingburg every year. A bunch of old coaches, referees. You know, we're all in the 65 to 95 range, and we get about 80 of us, and we meet every year, second Monday in June, and uh, tell these stories. And, of course, the stories change a little bit after a few years. (laughs) They get a little more uh, twisted, but, but they're still fun.
0: No, uh, Roger Kaiser fills me in on those stories that uh, get inflated every year. Dale Harris uh, is probably down there with you guys also. Hey, did Joe drink? was he wearing his white patent shoes or was that li- earlier in the 70s that he wore those when he coached?
1: Yeah, that was earlier. That I didn't get to see those shoes. I heard about them, but uh, he, he kept those at home. <laughs> when we played in the early 80s, he, he didn't wear those. He, he was a little modest, I guess, back then.
0: Coach Duncan's a character too.
1: Oh, my goodness. Damn it Christmas. He beat us in the regional. The year that we won the sectional, I was telling you about, we played South Ridge in the regional. And he had a tradition of doing a flip when he'd win. And he did his flip right in front of me. I was about ready to flip him myself (laughs) over three more times when he did it because uh, it was a close game. Of course, they went on to the Final Four two years in a row, and that was the second year. Uh, Southridge went to the final four and and again Gary's a dear friend we ride motorcycles together we get around in the summer still you know today we we like to you know when we can uh try to get together and catch up and um and and I'm going to put in a plug for Gary he's he's, you know I think he's going to be up for the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame so I'm going to be on his fan committee of uh trying to get him get him some votes.
0: I totally agree with that.
1: Um, so was it, was it intimidating to uh, coach
0: against Jack butcher? Did you, what kind of persp- how did you go? What, what, how, what kind of attitude did you have going into the game? Is it really, when you went into a game playing against him, did you want to beat his butt?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. But it was intimidating. I mean, it, it was, you know, I mean, you, you I would say, uh, but here's the thing about Jack. It, we, we talk off season. We had a radio show that Stan Neal and, in. uh, uh, Jack and I were on because we were the three local uh, folks there in the high school. I mean, when you talk to Jack, he would be like your best buddy. I mean, Jack would, you know, he'd buy my lunch. He'd uh, he'd do anything and everything, you know, just your best buddy. And, and before the game, when we played Legoti, didn't matter if it was at our place or his place at Ligoti, he, he the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he'd like, just, you'd think he was your, your, your your father, your brother, your, your whatever. But boy, once they threw the ball up, I, I can't even say some of the words on the air that Jack would call me during the game if I ever got close to his bench or I ever uh, argued a call. He'd be nose to nose to me like, whirling, blah, blah, blah. Set your whatever down. And so he was intimidating without even playing against him but boy when you played against him if you were able to be intimidated you were big time intimidated with Jack Butcher and I say that all in a in a friendship way but he just Jack didn't like lose and he he'd let you know it he he went down to the final seconds and if he didn't win you you knew it he 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 would let you know he he wasn't your friend for a little bit of that time.
0: (laughs) Um, I have his uh I have his book back here and, and it's yep. not highlighted because the sun is coming in or he's the best. It's just uh, it just it's back there at that particular time. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So what gets you away from Washington Catholic and gets you back to
1: Central Catholic? Nope, I went to South Dearborn High School. Um, I, I, I'll tell you what it was um, when we won the sectional that year. Again, I was again, I was still kind of young and dumb. I still was pretty much not sure what I wanted to be yet other than I wanted to be uh, a head basketball coach somewhere that could win the state tournament. You know, I had that bit of a dream. And of course, Marion high school was the school back then, you know, they were kind of up and they're always in the state and they're always uh, right up there. So I wanted to hopefully someday maybe go to a Marion high school. That'd be my dream. So at Washington Catholic, I, I probably, at that time, I thought I probably got as far as I could if I was going to get to that next uh, level to win a state championship as a, as a head basketball coach in Indiana. So I was kind of looking. And uh, Bill Slayback was someone I'd seen at clinics. And Bill was the AD and the former coach. At that time, Aurora High School, they consolidated with a few other schools to South Dearborn. And um, so they offered me a job and I took it. I was just a year being married. My wife and I had only been married a year and it's like, Hey, honey, let's, let's, let's go to the next uh, step and do a little stepping stone thing. So we went to, to South Dearborn and, in, in uh, there's a little 14 sectional. So back then, what the heck, you know, if you could get in a tournament that wasn't highly competitive, um, you know, uh, and it was only four teams, and you hosted it, South Dearborn hosted that sectional. So I thought, Hey, there's a good way to get to the regional. Um, so that was kind of it. And, you know, I was, maybe 31 or something, 30 years old, just thought, you know, what's the next step? So so I loved it, but I couldn't see myself staying in Washington, Indiana at Washington Catholic, you know, my whole career. So I thought, you know, still young, let's see what's out there. And Janet was, she was game. She was born and raised in Washington. So she thought it'd be kind of cool to see what it'd be like going somewhere else. So I, I taught English and uh, coached basketball at South Dearborn. Bill Slayback was a great AD to work under, met some great friends there. And so I was there uh, for two years and um, and thought I was going to stay there a lot more, but uh, I'll just throw this little story in. Um, uh, there was a, uh, a day where um, it was after my second year there, and we had some success there. We, we won a lot of games and won a sectional and got to another final game of the regional, Richmond beat us in the regional. And, um, uh, Paul Raka was the athletic director at Central Catholic back then. Uh, actually, he wasn't the athletic director. He was my athletic director when I was at Lafayette Central Catholic. But anyway, he was still very involved at Lafayette Central Catholic. And he came South Dearborn and said, uh, hey, hey Dave, we got some openings at Central Catholic. The, the head basketball coach left, the AD left. They all went different ways. Uh, AD went to McCutcheon, the basketball coach went to Franklin. And he just wanted to know would I want to apply for the um, Lafayette Central Catholic basketball job and be the AD and I was flattered as I like, oh, especially come from Paul it's like oh my gosh Paul Araka wants me to come back Central Catholic he was my you know he was my AD he was he was the head football coach they won state championships and uh, and I told Paul I said Paul I am so honored that you would like me to be considered to go back as a head coach but I said I got I got some work to do here at South Dearborn I said I you know we, we've only been here two years we got to build the program Great school, good community. And he was great. He said, OK, well, you know, I just thought I'd better check with you because we're going to post this job and just thought you'd throw your name in. So fast forward that day, I come home and my wife, Janet, we've only been married a year and a half, and she was pregnant with our first son, Lance. And she said, hey, did, did you talk to Paul Or today? And I said, yeah. How would you know? She said, well, he got hold of me. Yeah, what's up? She said, uh, well, what do you think? That's why I told him. I said I was honored, blah, 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 blah. But I, I'm not going anywhere. I, I like it here. South Denver, good school. Well, she started crying. She said, I think you ought to consider going back. She she was pregnant, first kid. Aurora um, Aurora's a nice town, but it's very rural. So she didn't really have much of a friend base there. You know, she was a kind of a stay at home mom for part of the time. She was pregnant. So hey, I've been in this uh business long enough. If, if I can't keep her happy with what I'm doing, then I can't, you know, sustain. So long story short, I applied and got the job at Central Catholic. So uh, only two years at South Dearborn, but then we moved to Lafayette. My whole family was there, my sisters and some of them. So Janet, were real good friends with them. So we went there and, and thank God we did because I had a great 14 years at Central Catholic. Went there as an AD and boys basketball coach, uh, In 1990, a lot of people probably, it's weird, people don't know this, but the school closed in 1990. Lafayette Central Catholic did. Long story short, just because of dropping enrollment and financial difficulties and all that, the school closed. And at the time, I was the boys' basketball coach in the AD, and Sister Ann Kathleen was the uh, principal. Uh, So school closed. So like, hey, I've only been there, you know, two years at that time. It's like, oh boy, I better find a job. Well, long story short. The community got together and the alumni and all that we reopened again but sister it, it hurt her feelings quite a bit our principal because she kind of got blindsided on that closing she didn't think it was going to close when it closed that's a whole nother session we could talk about that but we'll move on um but she left she she, she didn't want to remain after that whole thing so they asked me to be the principal and so i said eh, you know not against that, but I want to still coach basketball. That's my love. You know, I want to be a state championship coach and all that still. And they said, well, you can be the principal and the coach. So for, I think it was like 10 or 11 years, I was the principal and coach there. And then finally, um, Chad Dunwoody was my assistant coach. Um, and Chad was ready, man. He was, he's an excellent coach. And so I, by the time I had been a principal and coach for those nine, 10 years, whatever that was, I was ready to give up one or the other, just because Time was tight and uh, didn't have much of a life, uh, so I, I did give up, you know, my coaching and then just became a principal full-time those those last few years that I was at Central Catholic.
0: So so you coached against Coach Griffith at Richmond?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, just yeah. as intimidating as Jack Butcher?
1: Uh, probably a little more so because Jack and I, we socialized a lot together, but Coach Griffith and I, we didn't. So we didn't really know each other very well, so... But he was, you know, he was, he was awesome. I mean, he was very, um, you know, I, I, I felt honored to be able to go up against him. But at the same time, uh, I was still pretty young and he was later on in his career.
0: Um, talk about your stance towards class basketball.
1: Well, um, it's interesting because when that came up, you know, the vote and all that when we went to multiple class, I was one of the advocates at that time that I wanted to keep it in one class. But it really was because of my experience as a high school player, you know, because I was blessed and fortunate enough to go through my high school year and beat the Broncos. And so I knew what it was like to be the little school winning a, a sectional championship and not winning a state championship, but that sectional was probably bigger than any state championship that I thought a single A would have or double A, triple A, whatever. So I was not an advocate of going to multiple class. Now, uh, so I was one of the votes back then because I was a principal, so I was able to vote on that. Well, I'm glad it went the way it did. I, I was I was wrong. In, when I look back on it, I think it was the right thing to do. But I was stuck in that traditionalist mode. I didn't see the vision of what a multiple class would provide. But now I've seen it. You know, I've been able to see it, you know, as a principal. I've been able to see it. I've been on the board of directors with the IHSA the last nine, 10 years, somewhere in that range. And so I've, I've been able to, to go to these state championships. I've been able to see these multiple winners. And it's not everybody gets a trophy. I mean there's still not that many teams that get to be state championship. You know, the girls and the guys, there's four state champions, you know, out of whatever, three or some schools. So it's still an honor. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's right. Because I do think that um, um, the bigger schools, they've got an advantage in, in the little schools. Although like I say once every 29 years, you know, I happen to be in that once in 29 years, but otherwise there's going to be 28 years where people, you know, get, knocked out first game or something so so I now stand I think it was a great call back when that happened in 1998 whenever that was Um, and I've seen so many things that uh, have have built programs built communities a lot of pride it's not just basketball I mean it's it's every sport you know it's volleyball it's tennis it's I mean not tennis because that's a You know, that's a team. That's not a. That could be an individual sport, but all the the team sports that have multiple uh, classes, um, it's it's fun to watch those teams when they get to the the final sixteen, the final eight, down to the final two, and then crown the state champion, whether it's the boys or girls. um, I I think it's the greatest thing that probably happened. I'm not on that fence anymore, saying we should have stuck to the old way. You
0: know, it's always interesting. You talk about the Indiana University basketball job or class basketball, and you just get a of commentary. So it's always, you know, it's always and it's I I like that take. I like how you explained uh, that class basketball and how it used to be. Uh, So and it has worked out nicely for um, a Lafayette Central Catholic. They have done a good they have done a really good job. They've won a state and I think football, volleyball and a couple state championships in basketball
1: exactly right and and sometimes it's it's not always winning the state it's maybe winning a regional for somebody you know you always hear every year that a school would uh, you know the first time they've ever won a sectional still you know you get the smaller schools that'll come through uh whether again name the sport you know it's it's any sport so it's it's advancing There's are just more opportunities when you have a good team you know here's a good example now this is multiple you know state championships but just yesterday um we played lawrence north you know cathedral played lawrence north in basketball and so we played the first game both of us in the uh, sexual tournament we're all in 4a so that's all fair we're all you know but you know just so happened you know they were ranked two or three in the state we were ranked fourth in the state and and they they beat us you know and and that's the way that it goes but it's not that way every year you know they, there's there's going to be balanced years where you're going to be able to you know you, you get your opportunity to to beat a team and there's still upsets even in the multiple classes there's going to be upsets sometimes within that that still gives these teams an opportunity to say you know even if we were 5 and 15 regular season um, a team can you know because they're playing schools their size they might get in a good bracket to, to move in and, and upset somebody, um, which makes it fun and exciting.
0: Did you go down and make sure that Jack Kiefer wasn't like a robot? Is he really human?
1: <laughs> well, I was, I was at the top of the bleachers um, and he was too far away from me. So I don't know. I, he, he was, I don't know. He was moving around. He was talking and coaching. So he was, uh, I think he, uh, maybe some of it's on automatic pilot. He's been coaching a long time. So a lot of it, he probably just looks at his players and they know what he wants them to do.
0: You know, we played him a couple of times in in the Hinkle sectional uh, back in the eighties. And, and what a great, you know, I, just because you brought it up, what a great job and what a, what a 45 year plus coaching career, what a great job he's done.
1: Well, look at all the great coaches that have won and been successful there's not too many that are at one place, practically. He, and he, he's been at other places, but he's been the only coach at Lawrence North. And that in itself tells you that, you know, he's been able to, you know, build something that's, that's pretty special and be content where he's at and work hard where he's at. And he's, uh, he's got a record to, to show for it. And, and there's not a lot of women or men that, you know, really stay – at one place, you know, just like i was saying, I always wanted to move my way up and get to the best school that might have a shot at going further. Some people they're pretty content to say, okay, I'm here. Jack Butcher, a good example of Ligoti. I mean, Jack was, he didn't want to go anywhere else. He, and there's people all over the place wanting him to, to go coach at their schools and he didn't even consider it. So so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of real strong, committed people that believe in their school, their mission, their vision. Um, there's a love uh, to, to these high schools, especially. Well, I'm going a little bit long. You got time for a couple more questions? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so what gets you to Indianapolis? What, what do you like, you know, hey, you know, it's, you know, I'm going to be principal at Cathedral High School. How, how, how do you get there? And how hard was it uh, at Central Catholic to give up the game of basketball. I know you still love it. You still watch it. You, you still, you know, um, uh, go to these folk stories that you guys tell in Southern Indiana every year in June. But, um, but um, how, uh, how hard was it to walk away from coaching the game?
1: It was, it was, it was hard in kind of an odd way. Um, it was not hard to walk away from being the coach because I got to be honest, Billy, Um the latter part of my career as a head basketball coach at Central Catholic, part of it was the demands of being the principal of the school. Um, you know, there's a, that's, that's, that's a more important job than being a head basketball coach. Um, I had a great administrative assistant. Her name was Kathy Deanhart. Because of Kathy, I was able to coach because she was such a great assistant and she did a lot of the work behind the scenes that I couldn't get done. But she was so efficient, uh, I was able to have my fun being a coach. But, you know, as the years moved on, it became apparent to me that I couldn't do both. Because, and I, I tell people this all the time that ask me, I noticed my last year that I coached, and Jason Delaney, who was our head coach here at Cathedral, he was a senior my last year as the head basketball coach at Central Catholic. Love Jason. He's awesome. Um, amazing guy. But
0: um, Came over from Tech, right?
1: Yeah, he was at Tech prior to coming to Cathedral. Um, but that year, Jason senior year, uh, again, I'm kind of telling myself, I would go to practice some days, and I never did this in my whole career, all the years I'd been coaching. Uh, I'd look at the clock. I, I remember looking at the clock in the gym saying, oh, my gosh, practice isn't over yet? Well, I knew right there and I went home and told Janet, I said, this is my last year because I'm cheating the kids because I'm, I'm not giving my whole self and energy to coaching those boys. I was like, let's get this practice over. And that was so unfair to them. So, so it wasn't like horribly bad, but you know, I still got after it. But, but then I was, it was easy because I turned over to Chad Dunwoody, be a full-time principal for four or five years. And, and the, so that was the other part of it. The hard, the hard, so that was easy to resign from that because I was just tired, I, I, I was done. The hard part was when Chad was the coach the next year, I didn't know where to sit in the gym. I didn't know what to do. I, I mean, I was lost. I was like a little puppy in the gym because the, the game, you know, warm up, I, you know, I was the principal of school, but as the principal, I was always on the bench coaching the game. So I, 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 honest to goodness, I, I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't know how to not be a coach. Um, and it took me probably darn near 10 games before I finally could get settled down and just be a fan, you know, um, because I wasn't going to be the coach looking over shoulders or telling Chad what to do. Um, I, I would never do that. And, 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 that, and I did But I didn't know what to do with my time. Uh, so when I finally figured out to be a principal and you know, kind of check on our fans and make sure that uh, safety. You know, kind of do my spot checks. I and mean, I had a great AD that was doing those things. But, but that was a hard part. So it took me about a half a year. And then from there, you know, and then I was I've been I was a principal ever since until just last year, as I said. And and it's funny you say you know how did I get to Cathedral? Um, I wasn't looking to go anywhere. I just wanted. To be, I was probably thinking I'll be the principal of Central Catholic till, you know they carry me out of here. You know, uh, in however many years after I was there, but I met Father Pat Kelly, who was on an accreditation team at Lafayette Central Catholic early in my tenure as a principal at Lafayette Central Catholic. Well, he was the principal cathedral at the time, so we got to be good buddies, so this was like in 92, I think it was, I met Father Pat, so we, we became buds, so uh, because of that accreditation, and, and he, he was kind of my mentor, um, so when he decided to retire in the uh, 2002, which is like 10 years after I met him, he said, "Dave, why don't you apply for my principal's job at, at Cathedral?" And it was a, again big honor. It was like, "Wow!" I never thought about that. You know, biggest Catholic high school mistake. But it's like I, I went home and I just told my three kids. Which I haven't said anything about my kids. My, my, I got the three awesomest kids in the whole wide world. Lance um, is is our oldest. He was the one that was one year old when we were South Dearborn. Courtney uh, is one year younger than him, and then Sean's uh, three years younger than Courtney. Um, so those are my my pride and joy. And uh, Janet's done a great job raising them during those years that I was like workaholic, coaching, principalship. She was uh, kept them at home and at bay. But um, it was so interesting because I went home and said, hey, told Lance, Courtney, and Sean, and Janet, hey, probably I'll apply for the cathedral job. They were like, they took a vote and said, zero to four, no way in heck, dad, are we leaving Lafayette Central Catholic? Because Lance was a freshman there. Courtney was an eighth grader. We are junior high, so she was an eighth grader. Then Sean was like in fifth grade at St. Boniface. And then Janet was like, she she sided with the kids. Like, we're not moving anywhere. We're staying right here. So I said, well, I'm just going to think about it. Well, as it turned out, as it turned out, um, I told Father Kelly, I'm not going to apply for the job. And he said, well, Why not? I said, Well, you know, family's not real keen on it and all that kind of stuff. He said, Well, you know what? He says, You probably wouldn't get it anyway. And so, and he knew me pretty well and he knew I was a competitor. So I said, You know what, Father? I'm going to apply for the job. And guess what? I'm going to try to get it and then I'm going to turn it down because you just said I wouldn't go to get it. So I did. I applied for it. Long story short, I fell in love with the place after our interview and I was like begging to get the job practically from the committee. Um, so they offered me the job. And, uh, so that was father Kelly, you know, God rest his soul right now because he's no longer with us, but if it wasn't for him telling me, you know, you're probably not going to get it anyway. Um, I probably would never have applied. And, and of course, been here 20 years, and Cathedral is just uh, been such a, a wonderful experience for me, for my three children, for my wife, for our family. Uh, all three of our kids got to graduate from Cathedral. Central Catholic was a great school too, but you know they had the balance of the two. Um, so I could not have had a better career, and, and the greatest thing uh when i step down as principal i've got this uh, new role here that i'm in, in the advancement office and i'm able to talk to our alums our donors our, our graduates and people that were here at cathedral 20 years ago that when i was the principal i'm meeting with them uh talking to them about how they might want to get back to the Darrow cathedral
0: um i you know it, it was interesting uh, like i said earlier at the beginning of the show of how you know, you learn something new about Indiana high school basketball and the game of basketball. Just when you think you know everything, you learn something else new. Um, I dropped your name to uh, several people and and uh, just wanted their thoughts on you during my research. And and I got books back. Literally, I got <laughs> just uh, uh, long things of how uh, good of a guy you were, uh, of how good of a family man you were. And and, you know, uh, just, you know, even people who don't know you really well, like, uh, Kenneth Barlow, uh, wrote a small chapter in, in describing you, uh, uh coach Sean Martin, Lanny Segal. I don't even know if you know Lanny Segal, but he even, uh, 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 told me all fabulous, wonderful things about you. So, uh, I mean, what a, uh, what a fabulous career. I know that we have ran long. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, I don't know if we want to leave with anything with, uh, um, um, you know, the state of the game? What do you think the state of the uh, game of basketball is in Indiana today?
1: Well, I, I'll, I'll give you a quick comment on that, but, but my, my second to last closing comments would be, it is so great being a grandfather. You know, I've got Lillian, Ella, and Will are my grandchildren. And that's, even though I've got a great full-time job here, but when you're not the principal and you you don't have anybody to supervise and, and you got a great person to work for, and Denise Farrell, I'm able to spend time with my grandkids. And that is the highlight of my career life and everything is being able to spend time with those three. And and I might be blessed with a few other grandkids sports all over. Sean and Katie just got married last October and they talk like they might want to have a few too. So so that's that's the greatest thing. I want everybody to know that it doesn't get any better. Now I always thought it would be like to be a grandpa, but until I was a grandpa, I, I realized that. State of basketball. I think it is going to, it's going to continue to grow. I think it's, it's you know, let's, let's face it. Look what's going on in Indianapolis right now with, with the college tournament. Everything's here. It's right here. All the tournament's going to be here in Indiana. We just started the, the boys' basketball section. Highlight, galore. the girls' basketball state tournament just finished here a while back. Um, it's, it, once we can get through the pandemic, you know, uh, it's just going to continue to grow. And we've got some of the best coaches around in boys and girls uh, basketball, every level, kindergarten up to varsity. We got awesome colleges here in Indiana, so it's it's going to go nowhere but up. Um, I think our parents in, in in across the state, thanks to the IHSAA with sportsmanship, uh, Sandra Walters and Paul Nighting and Chris Kaufman and all the the assistant commissioners um, are great leaders in that area. So I think. Uh, we're the best state in the union when it comes to being able to have this awesome sport, and it's only going to get better because we've. We, we even though we paused a little bit this last year with the pandemic, um, we're going to have state champion this year in boys basketball, and we didn't last year because of the. It was a brand new, you know, pandemic. We didn't know what was going on back then. We just got blindsided. But but now that we're getting over that, um, you know, I just look in the back of your. Uh, pictures back there of just all the history and and that is awesome history uh billy and and i can kind of go up and down memory lane looking at the back but in 50 years from now there's going to be 10 times the greatness that we're going to be able to have here in indiana to tell about this awesome game of basketball uh what do the grandchildren call you grandpa papa papa Papa. They got that on their own. I didn't tell them what to call me. They just came up with it. They just, so I'm Papa. So
0: they, uh, I have an Ella in, uh, I have Ella and a Heidi and they call me G-Paw.
1: Oh, how'd the G get in there?
0: I don't know, but I was kind of excited for it. So, uh, and, it's nice uh, that has been a little unique, right? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> and I do have gray hair. I just have a hat to hide it so
1: <laughs> okay i do have all white but i do i do got some hair you know i did a little bit on there the the sun's shining on it so it probably looks like i'm bald but it it is uh, i do get a little bit on there <laughs> coach dave worland what
0: what a uh, an exceptional interview i'm sure everybody is going to enjoy this i i thank you for your time and uh um uh, you know the the stories can't be remembered if they're not told and i thank you for helping to keep the nostalgia alive
1: oh i'm very honored and uh, look forward to continuing. Uh, doing what I can do for, for not only basketball, but all the kiddos that I went across here at cathedral and throughout Indiana.